Now, sound off and let your voice be heard. Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, here we are. Uh, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, to a Wednesday morning sound off on 610 KDAL Radio. Um, now, we're, we're going to give you the phone number if you want to call in again, because we've received a, a critique from someone who didn't think we were given the phone number enough. We give it at the top of the every show, but uh, evidently we don't give it often enough. So if you want to call in and let your voice be heard, call area code 218-722-0839. That's 722-0839. You can either talk to us on the air by hitting the call button on your smartphone, or you can leave us a message by hitting the text button after you've dialed that same number on your uh, smartphone. So, with that said, what a turnaround in one day, huh? Not that we want to start off with sports right off the bat, but I watched that, uh, you know, what a difference a day makes because you just can't seem to put the puck in the net all of a sudden when the day before everything was going in. But anyway, we're going to move along. Uh, Big story this morning. Uh, about the Ukraine. And of course, all the lefties, all the uh, media, left-leaning media in the United States is saying, well, the Ukraine isn't going anywhere because the U.S. isn't giving it enough firepower. They're not giving it enough. Uh, well, the Ukraine needs more than mortars and and uh, artillery rounds. They need manpower. Are we going to give them our manpower? Not me. I don't want to give them any of our men and women in fighting uniforms, but they're running out of them themselves. And a big a big report this morning, rather an interesting report I found anyway, uh, on real clear uh, politics, which is pretty straightforward. They, they sometimes lean to the left a little bit, but this one I thought was fairly straightforward. It was, on, uh, was written by Joe Buccino, and it talks about the Russian defense... Uh, uh, situation with Ukraine and how Ukraine is holding up. Um, it assert it, its assertion is is that really, after uh, and I don't know how to pronounce the name of this city that just fell Avdika, I guess it is the Ukrainian city of Avdika. Um, it's pretty clear that the Ukraine is having a tough time hanging on to some of its positions that they have taken. Uh, two years ago, the Ukrainian armed forces, the armed forces, defied expectations. A Joint Chief of Staff, Mark Milley, spoke for the U.S. military when he predicted to Congress that Kiev would fall within 72 hours. He was really wrong, as most of us were. Uh, many military uh, uh, analysts said that. Uh, Similar predicted that the Russian armed forces would quickly rout the overmatched Ukrainian armed forces. Well, it's starting to come true now, but simply because of attrition. The Ukrainians are running out of manpower. They've started uh, uh, recruiting men and women older, uh, up to 50 years of age. And a lot of those people aren't willing to go and don't want to go. The people of Ukraine saw encouragement a year ago. Today, not so much. Ukrainian forces were bloodied, but held on to territory a year ago. Uh, Today, typically, all of these indicators lead to unrealistic expectations. 
uh, of of uh, what they're going to do. The reality right now is that this thing has turned into a brutal slog after and going on two years. Today, the situation is grim. Uh, fighting has slowed to a cruel slog, one that in uh, that uh, the Russians, one that favors the Russians because they have much more uh, troop manpower and much more munitions uh, to hang on to. Even uh, even support for Zelensky. Well, uh, it appears I just received a message. You from are back. Kenny. We got you back. Oh, yep. okay. <laughs> Anyway, we uh, the uh, the end end line on this story this morning out of uh, out of uh, politics, real clear politics, is that it won't even make much difference. They, they talk, for example, about the fact that the U.S. and other uh, allies have committed F sixteen fighter jets to the Ukraine. Well, they said that even the F sixteens won't make much of a difference, won't come, won't really be able to turn the tide because F-16s require long, smooth runways. A fighter aircraft will struggle to land and take off on Ukrainian bombed, bombed out runways. They're going to have to find somewhere to to take those planes off and to uh, bring them back. Russia also has the advantage of time. Uh you know, in, in our kind of situation here in this country, voters grow weary of supporting wars. In Russia, it doesn't matter because Putin controls the media, controls uh, what people think and do, controls who. Uh, I mean, he's in the middle of an election. He's, there's going to be an election in Russia in March, about the 16th or 17th of March. There's really nobody on the ballot to speak of to go up against him. And if somebody does get on there, they get arrested and end up in a gulag someplace. So you have to admit that it's a dictatorship, and they have uh, they have access to the cash, the weapons, the manpower to continue to flow uh, toward that end. Uh, getting to a favorable or at least even negotiating settlement will take more than a year of hardcore fighting, and they just don't have the troops left to do that. This story, by the way, was written by Joe Buccino. He's a research analyst at the Defense Innovation Board, a former communications director for U.S. Central Command and a retired U.S. Army colonel with five deployments in the Middle East uh, during his military career. So he, he's probably somebody that's pretty uh, knowledgeable when it comes to uh, uh, conflicts and how to use it. Uh, by the way, we've got to take our first break of the morning. We are at that point. We're going to uh, take our first break, and we will be back shortly right here on the Wednesday edition of Sound Off on 610 KDAL. KDAL time is 1122. National Weather Service in Duluth, we're 34 degrees. We are overcast, but uh, we don't have any snow banks. No, none, none. anywhere. None. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's weird, man. And the you know to add to everything, the long range forecast looks more and more desirable. In fact, I was I I caught a little bit of Bruce Siski. Now I know he wasn't there this morning, but he had an interview with uh, uh, a, a baseball player from the UM uh, from UMD Bulldog baseball team, and they were talking about how they they've all been checking the weather reports, everybody, and they're going to get some games in up at UMD very quickly. Snow's all gone. The field has been uh, graded, and they've been practicing on it. 
And they compared it to last year. They said probably about this time last year, there were two, three, two, three feet of snow still in place all over the field. So what a difference a year makes. I mean, it really does. Um, say, um, Lady O'Callaghan is one of our great sponsors. She's been with me, I think she said, 17 years now. And I'll tell you what, it's sometimes the, her store is only open on Thursdays and Fridays in the Skywalk level, 31 West Superior Street. But make it a point to go there on a Thursday or Friday because you will find so many things that will make your home much more enjoyable. <clears throat> You'll find the witch's balls she's been talking about, which are these beautiful glass glass blown figurines that hang in your window. Uh, that that the light uh, goes off in every direction and casts beautiful shadows and beautiful light streams through your home. You can find them all at Lady O'Collett's Emporium. And again, like I say, that's 31 West Superior Street, up in the Skywalk level of the historic Hunter Building. You can give her a call at 218-722-2240. That's 722-2240. Ask about anything. They're, they're still doing these wonderful tours of their cottage uh, where you can uh, go in and have your own readings done. Lady O'Callaghan is busy with with readings and observations. Uh, she's uh, kind of a mystic and does other things at the same time, but she's a great, great lady. Uh, give her a call, or, or more importantly, visit their store. I like to consider it like the general store of the old days. You can find clothing. You can find music. You can find soaps and incense and records and uh, daggers and <laughs> just about anything under the sun you can find at Lady O'Collett's Emporium. Okay, so Kenny, we're going to start off this morning. I found this story on the Internet this morning. Uh, Minnesota is well known uh, for its what? Its outdoor space. It's, uh, you know, we have this Department of Natural Resources, the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources, that tries to control uh, what goes on as far in, in nature in Minnesota and make sure that anything like invasive species are kept out of our, uh, out of our forefront. Well, this morning, there was a new list of 13 additional invasive plants and animals that are prohibited from coming to Minnesota. And this was put out and, and made mandatory yesterday, February 20th. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to go through this list of things that they have on the invasive species list. But I'm going to tell you right up front, I read through this before the show today. I have no idea what half these things are. And, well, that's and why they're invasive. It, exactly. <laughs> well, they they should not even be around here at all, I guess. But l let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of the uh, that nasty jumping worm? Uh, is that what it's called, the nasty jumping worm? <laughs> well, it's not. It's just called the jumping worm. Is it not Asian? the nasty jumping worm? Well, no, it doesn't say where it comes from. It, it says that, that the jumping worms have a negative impact on plants and soil. It also goes on to say in here that jumping worms have been confirmed in some Minnesota urban areas, but not in most of Minnesota. In other words, you might not find them in around our area here at all. 
but they are uh, it, by putting them on the invasive list, it makes it illegal for anybody to sell them. So, so here's the deal that, that is a word of caution here. If you have kids that go out and dig worms and put them in a can and sell them on the street corner for bait, for fishing, don't let them get caught having jumping worms. Now, I don't know what makes them different. Well, this measure also spread. Yeah, except that I'm sure they must jump, right? Well, a couple of things. Um, and I did find a site here about this. They kind of look like a regular earthworm. Um, yeah. But they are called jumping worms because of their unusual behavior when disturbed. They move like a snake and sometimes Ooh. and sometimes appear to be jumping. That's uh, that's a little icky, well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And you know when you see an earthworm, they have that uh, lightly colored ring around their body? Yeah. Well, they have yeah. that as well. But this one on this particular jumping worm is closer to the head than other earthworms. So, so does it? Are are they fairly large? Does it make it look like a snake almost? Uh, it doesn't look like they're large at all, Brad. But uh, the thing is, is and I knew this. I no earthworms are native to Minnesota. None. Jumping worms are native to Asia. Okay. So, how in the world? Would they have gotten here? They did, move potted did plants. Did some Asian uh, that come across the border keep well, them in his pocket or something? Or they're what? spread uh, throughout North America, oh, really, by plants. moving potted plants, plants. basically. Sure. Uh, but they have sure. been confirmed here in, in the state for quite a while now. But, yeah, uh, you know. And they say to kill them, uh, put them in a plastic bag and put them in the sun for several days. Yeah, right. It'll dry them out. Oh, Just, okay. Yeah. How about a step on them? Yeah, How, exactly. Oh, that, does that work? No, don't do that. you got to fry them in the sun. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, they list 13 different things here. And I want to I wanna ask you, as I read these, just make the statement, heard of it, not heard of it. Got it. Okay? All right. Okay, here we go. Mitten crabs. Not heard of the mitten crabs. Do they wear okay. mittens? <laughs> Well, it's oh, Minnesota. No. They're, it's cold. Yeah, so maybe they do. Yes. Maybe they're cold. They're the Chinese mitten. Yeah. mitten crab, also known as the Shanghai hairy crab. Oh my God! So, are we being invaded by Asian? <laughs> well, and, I don't uh, know. But uh, what else you got? Okay, how about Nile perch? Nile perch. I wonder if they're as good as the perch you can catch up at White uh, Whiteface. Nile perch. Well, yeah. um, let's see here. I, uh, known also known as the African snook, the Goliath perch, uh, and some other names here. Uh, they are. Now I would of, assume. I would assume is is the Nile perch. Are they from the Nile originally? I mean, from they get Egypt really really big, Brad. They get up to four hundred and forty pounds. In this case, the, whoa, this one, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's not any perch I know. Uh, they do have an excellent bone-free white flesh meat, rich in po- protein and vitamins. Oh, um, well, there you go. But, uh, yeah, these fish are gigantic, so this is not good for Minnesota. Okay, how about this one? Yeah. This one I this one I hope you got a picture of there because this has got to be nasty looking. Yeah. How about snakehead fish? Snakehead fish. Uh, yeah, I've heard of these. And I know that they, oh, yeah, they're ugly. Oh, they are ugly. Bullheads, <laughs> look out. Step aside for the snakehead fish. They, they look like a snake, huh? The head of it or the uh, face of it? They look, nah, I don't know, I guess. 
Maybe. Yeah, they do kind of. I, you know, I, I don't know why get, they're if named we get that. Russ on, if we get Russ on later, and we're supposed to have him yes. in the first hour, we're going to have to ask him about some of these. How about this one? Walking catfish. Is, is this a catfish that walks on the water? Or like, uh, you know, maybe it's religious or something? Yes, or, and if or, you spot one, they usually have a cane. <laughs> <laughs> Walking catfish with a cane. It's a, like it. a tropical subspecies. I'm sorry, a tropical species native to maritime Southeast Asia. And uh, it's named Again, for its ability to walk. They're it's, all coming out of Asia. It's named for its ability to walk and wiggle across dry land, but it's looking for food. So. Really? So they come out of the water and wiggle across the land? Yeah, they just start walking looking for food. You know, the water gets kind of boring after a while. They go for a walk. Well, yeah. The walking catfish. A walking catfish. Yeah, they're mostly encountered in the Everglades and associated canals and parts of Florida. So is is somebody bringing them up here from Florida then? Is that how they're getting up here? Brad, it's sad because it takes, you know, one person to transmit invasive species. And, you know, a lot of times... They don't know what they're doing. They, they don't do it intentionally, I don't think. Uh, it's a very challenging effort to rid your boat and your trailer and your anchor and your fishing gear of what might be an invasive species, especially a milfoil. And it's just oh, yeah. uh, it's a tough thing. Now, but. what was that? What was that crazy one, Kenny, that has been coming up the rivers and coming up the Mississippi that jumps out of the water and smacks people in the face as they're yeah. riding their boat. Well, we're not supposed it's to some call some kind them, of a carp or something. Isn't yeah, it? we're not supposed to call them Asian carp anymore, but that's oh, kind of the name sure. they have. I don't know Politically what they're politically uh, incorrect. I suppose. Yeah, we, exactly. But uh, you know, I mean, if it is what it is, but uh, Eurasian or European carp. I don't know if that's the same one, but uh, again, now carp, carp. I understand. Can be the meat can be ground up and actually make for a pretty protein rich patty that tastes okay. Yeah, but it, the but big thing is they don't like this. They, yeah. they damage the native fish populations. They uh, eat their uh, their habitat, and so it's just a bad um, cycle, if you will. Not a good thing to have. All right. Well, in all of these cases, I know. By the way, then there is a whole bunch of plants too that they don't want you. Yellow floating heart. It's called an aquatic an aquatic plant that, you know, that if it starts to grow in the water can be a, a bad thing. Then they've got trench, tench, T-E-N-C-H. It's a fish, evidently. Tense, tench. Can you find well, that uh, one? We'll do that. We've got CBS News to get okay. to, Brad. We've got to get to Russ Francisco. We do have a caller on hold, so there's a lot happening here. But let's okay. ask uh, uh, Let's ask um, um, Russ Francisco... About these three, the Asian carp, the jumping worm, and the snakehead fish. See what he says. Yeah. Yeah. So is Rush there? No, we're going to go to CBS News. Go to CBS, and then we'll get to Russ. Okay. Very good. KDAL time is 1138. Fresh off the Duluth Sports Show, Brad, we do have Russ Francisco from Marine General. And Russ, real quickly, I got to tell you, my wife bought a very nice pair of gloves for me from your store, the Deerskin uh, Thinsulate, uh, and she got a good price. Good. Good. Good to hear. Well, they, they you had a lot of stuff at 50% off or even some more down there. I mean, it was a great time to buy. Yeah, it was a good time, and people took advantage of it, so it's good. 
we had a lot of fun. We had we saw a lot of uh, depth sounders and rods and reels, and then we saw a lot of closeout stuff in the upper floor. So that's what we're supposed to do, and it worked out pretty well. Absolutely. Well, Russ, we before you came on today, we were uh, having a little fun with the latest list from the uh, Minnesota DNR on evasive species. And w- Kenny and I were talking. I'd never even heard of some of these. Uh, jumping worm, Asian carp, and snakehead fish. Have you heard of any of these? Well, Asian carp we have. And the Asian carp, uh, they've, been, they've been putting blocks up on every river trying to keep them from coming up north. And I, I've, I guess they, they've been trying to keep them out of the Mississippi, but they've seen a few. But down south where it's warm, uh, when you're running your boat down, down the lake, these Asian carp will jump out of the water. They'll fill, jump fill right out and smack you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, smack you right in the head. Yeah, it's a real problem. Uh, the, uh, the, that worm I, I haven't heard of before, but uh, let's check into that one too. But the Asian carp is a big one we deal with mostly. Okay. You never heard of this snakehead fish? No, I'm just looking it up now to see what it's all about. Is is it in Minnesota? Well, they, they yeah, they're saying that they have found a couple cases of them down in southern Minnesota mainly. Uh, yeah. But they're worried they're worried that if people somehow get them, you know, and carry them up here that they will become a real problem to the environment uh because they they can just take off evidently and become numerous. Well, yeah, I mean, birds can probably spread them, you know, that's that's the other problem, you know, it's not just humans, and so uh, you can try and control humans just as tough enough, but nature is even tougher. Yeah. So what are you, uh, what are you seeing right now at Marine General? What's the uh, big demand from people, or are they just taking advantage of all the great pricing and everything? Uh, summer, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. So summer is, uh, summer is where it's at, and, and uh, we're going to run the winter stuff for another week, Um and uh, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, run um, oh golly half price clothing half price boots half price gloves just like we've been doing. Uh, we have no display tents left out front, but all the tents that are in boxes are thirty to forty percent off. So if somebody wants a okay. new tent, uh, doesn't matter. We'll do that. We'll do all the rod and reel combos for ice fishing at half price, and all the all the ice jigs at half price through the week. And then uh, toward the weekend, we'll start to take that stuff down. And by next week, uh, it'll all be summer stuff. The factory guys are on their way up. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna to convert the store. If you look at the long-range forecast, we're going to do this a, a couple of weeks from now, but if you look at the long-range forecast, most of it's in the 40s and better. Uh, so yeah. factories change gears. They've changed gears completely. And we may get burned, you know, and see some cold weather in March and, and some snow, but it's not going to help the ice fishing situation. So uh, we'll call it a wrap and, and, uh, and go on to summer. And, and really, uh, better than three-quarters of our sales every day are summer stuff, downriggers and track and, and summer lures and things like that. The customer is dictating what we should do, so we're going to do it. Russ, is there, this might be a dumb question, but is there any restrictions on when you can put a boat into the water and fish in some of our inland lakes? I mean, a lot of them are open right now. Do do the licensing requirements have any date restrictions or anything? Nope, nope. Just gotta have a current fishing license, which uh, starts uh, March first, and then uh, they're on sale right now. The uh, the um, uh, the other thing that we've got going on is uh, uh, we've got uh, a whole bunch of uh, people out in front of the store today. We've got half a dozen boats out there, so so that's already. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, the sure. harbor's losing its ice, so I'm guessing that with this warm up by next week, uh, people will be coming out of Rice's Point. They're coming out of McQuaid right now. Uh, in the lakes, uh, I talked to a gal this morning. She had 13 inches on her of ice on her lake last week, and she's down to. 
seven. So, you know, it's oh, disappearing geez. quick. So we may not even have a melt off. It might just disappear on us. So it's uh, yeah. what happens. I mean, in the 40s and 50s and sunshine every day, uh, you know, a dozen inches of ice doesn't last very long. So I talked to some folks that were drilling through it yesterday. And they said it was still good ice, but it's starting to get porous. So you got to be careful. You know, uh, it's one of those things. Right. Go fishing in the morning, go back in the afternoon, the ice is gone. So uh, be darn yeah. careful. So we got some cool nights yet, which will help. But during the day, it's awful warm. Remember that that warming is, is longer and longer every day. We have more and more sunlight, so uh, longer yep. days. So it won't be long. I, I would guess by April we'll see a lot of people on the water. Well, folks, there are lots of great deals going on right now out at Marine General. Take advantage of them. Get in your vehicle. Get out there to 15th Avenue East and London Road, Upper Side, where they've been for over 50 years. Or go to marinegeneral.com. Or... Simply, if you've got questions on uh, downriggers or uh, trolling motors or anything, the availability of anything like that, uh, go to their 800 number. They got a 1-800-777-8557, marinegeneral.com. You will not find a better outfitter anywhere than Marine General. All right, so... um, so, Kenny, it doesn't sound good. Some of these things they've got are crazy. Uh, but a lot of, uh, I can understand a lot of these species, these aquatic, you know, like they talk about yellow floating heart, golden muscle, marbled uh, things. Uh, two, how about this one? Here's one more I want you to look up because this one really, really made me wonder. Tube nose gobies. Tube nose gobies. G O B I E S. Are, are non-native to a North America and have the potential for negative impacts. The western tube-nosed goby is already listed as a prohibitive invasion species in Minnesota, and several other species in the genre are difficult to diagnose from one another. Uh, but they, the state is worried that if they somehow get a, a toehold into some lake here in Minnesota, they could just take off and spring all over the place. Yeah, and they're a tiny See, fish. Their size is about four inches, and uh, they are a problem and a big threat to North America. Uh, they are a bottom-dwelling fish, so they're going to compete okay. with food with uh, native species, and it's not good. So they must just take off by thunder when they get a toehold into a lake someplace, huh? Yep, yep. You would think the cold weather up here... Two parts of the year would dry them off, but maybe no, they at don't. The bottom, they stay in the water. They don't come out, so they don't require jackets or parkas. <laughs> okay, they stay Thanks in the water. Straighten me out on that one. <laughs> okay, well, listen. Before we get to our Minnesota news break here, I, I want to tell you the answer because I found this uh, this morning. Lots and lots of people have said when they've seen these protests going on with the pro-Palestinians on college campuses and stuff, I've had a lot of people even say to me, and we've had them on the show, say, are there such a thing as paid rioters, paid protesters? Well, Nebraska Senator Ben Sasse came out and with the same question on his tweet, he asked, why do we have more? Re- why don't we have more reporting on paid rioting? Who pays for it? How much and Why? Well, it turns out that, in fact, there are paid protesters. And here is a couple of places where they come from. Earlier this year, MoveOn.org fundraised off of a promise to support protests of Donald Trump, of course, because MoveOn.org is a leftist organization. So here's the plan. We'll... 
will support MoveOn.org members to call out and nonviolently protest Trump's racist, bigoted, and misogynist, xenophobic, and violent behavior and show the world that America rejects Trump's hate. According to the fundraising email, and to keep it going, we're counting on you to donate whatever you can to cover the costs of everything involved, organizers, signs, online recruitment ads, training, and more. So these organizations are actually businesses that are in business to protest against Don, Donald Trump and are asking you, a lefty, to donate to their organization. Already, a left-wing group called Progress Unity Fund is raising money to support protests of Trump's inauguration. They're jumping a little bit ahead of time here, don't you think? They're already assuming that Trump's going to win, and they want to protest his inauguration. Pro Progress Unity Fund is a financially backed of the international ANSWER. Act now to stop war and end racism. What a nice touch that has. What a nice ring. An organization that has long provided logistics and financial support for protesters, particularly in D.C. and San Francisco. Answer first big action was to protest the American invasion of Afghanistan immediately following September 11th. And, of course, you might say, well, where are these groups coming from? Who is made up of answer? Well, it's an outgrowth of the Communist Workers' Party, which supported the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. They supported the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, but they didn't like it when we invaded after September 11th. So there you have the answer. Yes, there are political organizations that raise money and fund protests, and they're usually from the leftist side. You so know, Brad, you are, I, I, I'm, really, yeah, go I'm ahead. really curious, and I think I know the answer to this, but Trump is, is is so vilified, so hated, oh, uh, primarily God, yes. from the left. And, right. you know, I thought, when did this start? And, and I think, you know, he came out, I don't know if I want to say belligerent, but he was very aggressive and came across as kind of being mean during the opening round of the GOP hopefuls for president back when he got the nomination. What, yeah, you mean like the early, the early yeah, and he had, debates and, he had, and stuff. And, and yeah. he came after hard. He came after hard everybody on that panel, as you recall. And I right. think a lot of people, even though they're, they weren't necessarily fans of uh, Jeb Bush and Rand Paul, he, he attacked them, uh, I don't want to say viciously, but he really well, came at it in a way that we haven't seen before. And I think that right. was kind of the first thing that we saw from Trump was the way that he uh, behaved on that stage. It kind of Making turned... up names for him, you know, yeah. calling him, you know... That, and then uh, you know, he went after the swamp. And I don't know, and he oh, talked yeah. about draining the swamp. And so you had this immediate counterattack from, well, the swamp. Yeah. And so this has been going on, Brad, for, well, since 2016. Yep. And you're right, Kenny. That is one of the first things that kind of turned some people's stomach is when he made up names for Ron DeSantis and um, uh, Jeb Bush and people like that. 
Well, and especially, even I took a little bit of offense to when he came out and uh, and called John McCain uh, not a not a good veteran. I don't want a guy that gets shot down. I want a I want a guy that uh, destroys the enemy. Like John McCain had an option whether he was going to get shot down over Hanoi or not. <laughs> so so yeah, there's a and he never I think seemed, that's when it started. Yeah, and he never seemed to backtrack on any of that stuff. No, ever. No, and but yet he held his ground. Won the presidency, beat Hillary, and I think the reason he beat Hillary is, I think Trump was a good candidate per se, but I think more people didn't want Hillary, right? And they so, despised her, <laughs> and and it is what it is. But uh, this attack has not stopped, and uh, it, it's all going to come to an end someday when Trump is no longer eligible to be president, or you know has left this earth. Right. I mean, we all live and die, but. It's yep. just kind of weird to think how this is well, going to end. Well, it's even interesting now, Kenny, how he has responded to some of the lawsuits that have come against him. And a lot of them, we say, yeah, go, go, Trump. You're absolutely right that a lot of these are politically controlled, politically charged cases that would have never been brought if it was anybody else involved. And, and in fact, probably in hour number two, we're going to talk a, a little bit about that today because... A couple of the news stories that I got today had some very good uh, articles about this Judge Ngoran's, uh, you know, trial that just went by and how ridiculous the average person looks at the charges that were brought against him and the fees, the fines. I mean, you're talking a total of $450 million worth of fees and fines that he's got to come up with to be able to file an appeal I mean, it's insane. And and the average person sees that and they don't like it. Anyway, we got to go to our Minnesota news break and then we'll come back with more. KDAL time is 1156, 37 degrees in Canal Park at the Army Corps of Engineer. And the winds are light out of the west and again, 37 degrees. Well, listen, we got a we got a uh, gentleman on the phone, and we want to get to him before we have to take our first break here, uh, hourly, top of the hour break. So let's get Fred from Hawthorne. Uh, Fred, uh, what's on your uh, radar this morning here? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, DARPA is working on a new type of battery for its military vehicles, and, and okay. it is the fluid, yeah, a fluid that has charged particles, so you. When it's uh, discharged, when you have to uh, charge it up, you just replace the fluid, just like you fill up your gasoline tank. And it, it should be available for military vehicles in three years. And if one of the other uh, automotive companies would have invested it, it could be also used for cars. So my, my battery is discharged. I guess go to my gas station or <laughs> refill station and fill it up. I'm ready to go in five minutes. Uh, the other, you also could charge the fluid in place without having to do that, but that takes a lot longer. So I just thought I'd pass that along so people know what's going on in technology. All right. So it, it actually has a higher capacity than the lithium-ion batteries. And it, That's what I was going to ask, is if, uh, if this might take the place of the lithium-ion battery. Yeah, it, it sounds it like... Uh, right. Yeah, it, it sounds like it'll recharge itself... Uh, just by adding a little bit of fluid is uh, that's kind of yeah, what I think I heard you say. Yeah. yeah, replace the fluid, and it's 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 all charged up, ready to go. Or you can you wow. can also charge it the other way. 
and then it also now, has a higher capacity, and it's a lot cheaper. Is there a name for this airplane. battery, Fred? Is there a name for yeah. it? Yeah, it's called a flow battery. It's been around 150 years, but they, using today's technology, they're able to increase the capacity by a factor of 25. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Uh, uh, Kenny, we're uh, running out of time here for hour number one, but boy, we got a lot of things to get to yet. Did you see this story this morning, Kenny, about the ice on Lake Superior? There's the lowest it has ever been. Huh? Yeah, well, okay. 2.7% evidently yeah. is the is the entire capacity of the ice on Lake Superior, Yeah, which they said is the lowest they've ever had on a February 11th since 1973. Amazing. It really is. It's going to be summer very quickly. I uh, have a funny feeling. Anyway, we'll be back with our number two coming up shortly here on Sound Off. Your twin portal. For Twins Baseball, KDAL 103.9, W28, FBFF, and 610 KDAL AM, Duluth Superior.